0: Greetings. Welcome, bienvenidos. Hola, aloha. Ni hao, namaste. Konnichiwa. Bonjour, bonjour. Saudi korup, guten talk. Ciao, we Cat bang. Half a day. Priviet. Jai Janendra. Salam. Shalom. Peace. Now. Go vegan. Peace, how? Go vegan. As we've been saying 20 years now on this show. Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. So glad you can join me on this momentous occasion. Uh, No, not just that it's the uh, 20th anniversary of this show, the first vegan talk show ever in mainstream media. Um, No, um, what's momentous right now is that, well, if if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, uh, some years back, I actually did receive a legal vote for president, a woman in Missouri who listened on Air America to my show. Uh, I guess it was on a St. Louis station there. And she said, well, as a vegan talk show host, by default, uh, I am the most pro-life candidate imaginable. Well, as it turns out, That was actually the last legally counted vote in U.S. elections. So what that means is that I am your new president. Congratulations to me. And the momentous occasion is that I just uh, started, I'm just about to sign executive orders. I'm glad you're here with me for that. Uh, I have my first executive order right now and it's that masks are mandatory. Whenever you are within six feet of meat, dairy, fish, eggs, and honey, you must wear a mask, okay? So that is my uh, first executive order. And now let me go on to my second executive order, which is to build a wall. That's right, we are going to build a wall Around all slaughterhouses, and we are going to build walls around the uh, axes of evil McDevils and Murder King, Wen dies and Kills Jr., Jack the Ripper in a Box, uh, Chick Kille. You get the idea. Um, these, all of them, uh, a risk to America, actually taking American lives by the millions over the years. So we are now going to be protected by a wall around all slashed food restaurants. And uh, already, I think that pretty much uh, makes me your your best president ever. Okay. So there you have it. And just in time for me to take a nap. Okay. Terrific. Um, Actually, hard to believe it is. Really now 20 years of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden It seems like just, you know, it was just uh, two decades ago that we started this program. And now uh, here we are at a place in time where it seems that we actually need a reboot. Civilization needs a reboot, you know, or a restart or a start over or a do over. Um I think I think we can see now uh that we we we've been doing things wrong. Let's admit it. Let's admit that we've done some things wrong to get us to the place where we are right now and let's look at eating animals and their secretions as that that basic wrong that we're doing and uh the need to uh, to examine that very bizarre behavior that we herbivores in which we herbivores engage well not not we vegan herbivores but the non-vegan herbivores uh seem to be doing uh seem to be doing the wrong thing and you know it, it we're willing to to wear masks and destroy the economies of every country, shut down every every business uh in the world um you know we're, we're willing to try that how about now we try to go vegan Um, Well, let's not try. Let's do it. We can do it. I did it. I did it 37 years ago. I ate meat every day of my life, meat and dairy. I won a hamburger eating contest when I was 16 years old. I ate 30 White Castle hamburgers. um, And it's amazing that I live live to tell about it right now. And uh, I would never have imagined that I would be the uh, first vegan talk show host. I didn't even know the word vegan. I didn't even know the word vegan when I became vegan. So, you know, I was back in uh, 1971 in Queens College of the City University of New York. And uh, every Friday night, our friends would come over. We'd listen to music. I'd pick out the music because, you know, I was the disc jockey. I was the disc jockey on the college radio station, WQMC. Uh, and I, uh, I also had a career in music radio, uh, leading up to hosting Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden and my animal activism. I was the program director at radio stations all across the country from, uh, Jazzy 100 in Washington, DC, Love, Love 94 Miami, KAFM San Diego, The Sound in Seattle, oh, all places in between. Um, KXFM Santa Maria Gypsy Radio Live Z92 Omaha. I started that classic, uh, well, that amazing rock station. It's been successful for forever, and uh, well, pretty much, you you name the city. I was a program director uh, doing a music station there, and uh, I, I I knew I'd have to pay the price by uh, <laughs> by what I've been doing now for the past twenty years, having to couch surf as i finance this uh uh, uh this uh, endeavor this uh this uh, labor of love this this radio show that's been on for the past 20 years um and uh in that 20-year period it's been quite a vegan education for me to i mean Really? Back back in college, Queens College, City University of New York, I'm 19 years old. Everybody comes over on Friday nights and um I normally cooked a chicken dish every Friday night, a chicken with apricot glaze, and then one particular Friday night, I looked down at the frying pan and said, "This is somebody's body. I'm 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 eating I'm eating a murder victim here. What am I doing?" And then I announced to everyone that I can't eat animals anymore. And they all thought I was crazy and I became what I thought was the first vegetarian I ever knew but I continued to eat dairy and eggs for an embarrassingly long time, Uh, 13 years after that thinking well, chickens lay eggs and cows have to be milked but I didn't really know about the cruelty and suffering and mass killing that go on in the dairy and egg industries as the great vegan um, activist Cesar Chavez said um, That if you're doing it for the animals and for compassion, you actually eliminate Dairy and eggs first, but what did I know it took me 13 years to come across some information about the dairy and egg industries And once I found out uh, I went vegan not even knowing there was a word vegan that was back in 1984 and uh you know, back in uh, Queen's College, I thought I was making a quiet little personal decision. I didn't think that I would be a vegan talk show host or host major vegan events or organize vegan events. Or who would have imagined, right? Uh, but but here we are now, 20 years into this uh, this program, and I've come to the conclusion that going vegan solves everything. Uh, I never would have imagined that. I thought it was a quiet little personal decision I was making. Uh, everybody said, you're going to die if you eat like that. That was my, I was engaged to a butcher's daughter and my future ex-mother-in-law was saying, you're going to die if you eat like that. Um, and uh, hasn't happened yet so far. I mean, I've outlived my my father. Um, he only lived to 47 All of his brothers and sisters, all my aunts and uncles had heart disease. Um, And so I thought it was in in the genes, in my family genes, but it turned out to be in the family diet, in the diet of death, disease and destruction. Um, So um, and even today, I mean, the information is scarce. Um, So uh, it is my obligation to do this radio program to talk about how it can help with human health, heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, how it solves all of our um, environmental problems and issues, climate change, uh, deforestation, water scarcity, even um, extinction. It's the only, so this is the only way to end extinction, the only way to end uh, climate catastrophe. It's going vegan. So, and, uh, for me, I'm, I'm in it for the animals. I don't want them suffering. I don't want them imprisoned, mutilated and killed. So, um, the best way to save the animals is that we, we all go vegan and there's, there would be no, uh, commercial demand for them. And, uh, the world becomes such a better place every time somebody goes vegan. So, Uh, Oh, and by the way, I should mention uh, coming up on today's program. uh, This is a momentous occasion because we have a a truly wonderful guest. Actually, we have pretty darn good guests just about every show. And you can see you can hear um, there are over 600 archives at GoVeganRadio.com. And uh, while you're there. Please make a donation. Support this program and vegan education. Since uh, we're the we're, we're the only real voice in the media to uh, dedicated to saving billions and trillions of animals, and uh, human health and the environment, uh, creating world peace. That's right. Going vegan creates world peace. It was Tolstoy who said, "As long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields." So that all altogether, that kind of makes this program like the most important show in the history of the universe. Uh, not to be egomaniacal here, but you know, you had Seinfeld, a show about nothing and it made billions. And this is go vegan radio with Bob Linden, the show about everything, the show that solves everything going vegan solves everything. But, uh, No billions here, no millions, even though there are many millions in the uh, animal rights industry, we've been misled into thinking things like uh, cage-free egg campaigns and and enriched cages. And, you know, we've, we've really been misled in a lot of ways. And the robber barons have stolen all the money that could go toward promoting the real cause, which is vegan education so vegan education and of course animal sanctuaries right so and uh you get also um on today's program a wonderful guest Gabriel Cousins MD coming up on today's program and we'll talk about with him about a, a wide range of subjects i mean you know there is a mass depression going on right now i, I don't think there's ever been depression to this degree on the planet uh to the extent that it is now and uh could could be could there be uh could going vegan solve that too well let's talk to uh dr gabriel cousins about that uh, coming up on today's show um i mean look at how important the show is and in, in, in terms of you know there's there's a, a pandemic an epidemic um, oh, not not just the coronavirus, but also, you know, talking about, let's say, uh, heart disease, cancer, diabetes. Well, on the show in the past, go to the archives, listen to our shows with Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, who says nobody has to have heart disease. It's all related to diet. And then uh, Gabriel Cousins is one of the pioneers in healing type 2 diabetes. So, uh we have a a pandemic and epidemic of diabetes and yet that can be solved, cured, healed within about 3 weeks. So, uh we'll we'll talk to Dr. Cousins about that. We talked to Dr. Neil Barnard about that uh recently too. He wrote a book on diabetes. Uh, Gabriel Cousins has a new book which we will discuss. We'll also see what he thinks about wearing masks. Uh, You know, uh, we'll get uh, Dr. Cousins' opinion of wearing masks. I see that uh, Dr. Ouchie Fauci uh, is telling us now that maybe it would be uh, better to wear two masks. Um, But if if two masks are better than one, why not 10? Why why not like we just walk around wrapped in cellophane in, in hazmat suits? Um and uh well, remember my new executive order. I am your president, by the way. Um and uh, the executive order is you remember? Right? I just signed it, okay? Masks are mandatory whenever you're within six feet of meat, dairy, fish, eggs, and honey. Don't forget. I'll we'll get the National Guard out there for you if uh now um, Dr. Ouchie Fauci, who is like America's number one doctor, right? Um, what's interesting about him is that I saw him interviewed by one of the, he was talking to one of the Cuomos out there and, um, Cuomo said to Fauci, you know, you're spending so much time in Washington, DC, you know, what do you miss about New York? Um, if you haven't noticed, uh, Fauci and Cuomo both have, uh, incomprehensible New York accents. Um, I have a comprehensible New York accent because I'm from New York City, but I went to broadcasting school to try to learn, you know, how to disguise it. So you understand me, right? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so um, what Fauci said he missed most about not being in New York were Nathan's hot dogs and pastrami sandwiches. Well, you know, hot dogs and pastrami are um, both classified as uh, carcinogens by the World Health Organizations, which uh, Dr. Fauci um, supports the processed meat processed meat is classified as a human carcinogen by the world health organization which also calls uh, red meat a probable cause of cancer but so you have america's top doctor here um, saying that what he misses most about being in new york city is eating carcinogens so I think I think we need a, a bit of a, a reboot. You know, most medical doctors don't uh, study nutrition in medical school, right? So, time for time for that reboot, restart, start over, do over, uh, and uh, maybe maybe it should start like right now, right now, uh, right now on the twentieth anniversary of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And, uh, you know, now, now that I am, uh, your president, that means I can, um, speak freely about my accomplishments, uh, right? Uh, you know, I can be, you might say a narcissist, uh, bragging, you know, whatever. But, um, you learn that, uh, if you don't do it for yourself, nobody else will. So, but as president, I can talk about my accomplishments because maybe I'll, I'll want to be reelected. Um, and, you know, so, and the accomplishments I, I hope are always uh, in the cause of uh, serving animals. Um, no, not with ketchup, but, you know, serve, serving their cause, saving animals uh, and uh, therefore impacting human health and, World hunger and the environment, you know, solves everything. Going vegan solves everything. This this coronavirus is another uh, example of our uh, miserable relationship with animals. It's, whether it comes from a, a, a wet market, you know, related to eating animals or a laboratory uh, abusing animals, it's another another uh result of uh mistreatment of animals this uh pandemic uh, virus that we have here so um as as your president let me get that wall started get that wall started around the slaughterhouses around all those slash food restaurants um well so uh i guess after uh after being involved with creating uh, vegan festivals in uh, San Diego in late 1990s, San Diego Fall Fest, and then organizing World Fest in Los Angeles, um, so I was going around promoting World Fest in LA to different radio stations. I was at KRLA, and a producer there, Suzanne Lachan, said, "Well, you have a background in uh, broadcasting and being an on-air host, and." uh, you're a vegan for 17 years. I was a vegan for 17 years at that time. Now I'm vegan for 37 years. Um, and you're all involved with animal issues. You need to be doing, uh, a vegan animal rights radio show. Uh, now we charge for the airtime. We have slots open on the weekend. Try to see what you can do about getting some advertisers and, uh, And I did, I got on the phone and was able, I got in enough trouble to financially support the launch of this show in late January of 2001 on KRLA. And then uh, we uh, quickly were picked up by radio stations in San Francisco, KYCY, which was the CBS affiliate and have a long history on San Francisco radio stations, The Quake and Green 960 and a long history on la radio stations um including the k talk and k time ktlk is part of the air america radio network and uh been on uh the well, liberal a liberal network like air america and conservative stations conservative stations like uh, the, even the gcn network which uh hosted uh, alex jones i think they put my show on to make alex jones look like the normal one it's like look here's a vegan isn't that crazy he's talking about not eating meat dairy fish eggs honey isn't that isn't that crazy um but you know we can adjust the message to whatever audience right so um uh, very often a conservative audience might be religious and might uh, uh be interested in what the bible has to say and as it turns out if you go to genesis book one verse 29 god's first commandment is to be vegan so there you have it something to the effect of behold i have given you every uh herb on the face of the earth and every tree with fruit with seed in it this will be your food and uh uh, very religious people were very shocked to uh to hear that they had never heard that including my uh uh board operator at gcn uh who was a religious christian he said i i've never heard that and then he consulted his bible and uh there it is in black and white to be vegan so there there you have it um and uh you know we just oh and also um a woman in Los Angeles heard me talking about that on air, and she said she practically uh, drove off uh, drove off the road hearing it on a radio station. Uh, she was a Seventh Day Adventist, and um, they seem to be the Christian vegetarians, or really more, t- much more toward vegan now. And uh, she called me. She invited me to her church. I brought my uh, world famous garbanzo dip and everybody fell in love with me they forced me to cook for church events and uh, you know part of part of this vegan life that i've had is that i've had to couch surf to support this uh, this uh, talk show habit since it's been like a, a vegan infomercial where i've had to pay for airtime right from the start um uh, since the start on KRLA and pretty much every station after that on the Air America radio network. I think I was the only uh, paid paid advertiser on Air America. They, they, uh, they went out of business fairly quickly there. So uh, I've uh, couch surfed. It's been an interesting life. I've lived with people, everyone from uh, Seventh-day Adventists to uh, people who, let's say, were rumored to be a part of, uh, you know, the the ALF, Animal Liberation Front, people who are rumored to have, uh, you know, liberated animals through certain actions. Anyway, it's been interesting. It's been interesting all along the way here. And uh, also we've been creating events, organizing events uh, in all this time too. We, uh, we did some, uh, well, not barbecues, but we did veggie cues in Los Angeles and San Francisco. Uh, I was the annual, uh, MC for the world vegetarian festival in San Francisco. And by the way, when, when I talk vegetarian, I mean, vegan vegetarian, um, non vegan vegetarian is a whole other world. Um, that's the equivalent of basically being a meat eater. So if you eat dairy and eggs, um, you know, it's the same animal suffering and death, the same health risks and the same environmental devastation. So, you know, I don't know, people often lump vegans and vegetarians together. But, uh, you know, vegans, vegans stand alone, they're in a class of their own. And, you know, non vegan vegetarians, I'm embarrassed to say, I went through that 13 year period, where I didn't know. And had I known sooner, You know, I would have been been vegan a a lot earlier than that. There I was, my pompous self, thinking, ah, I am holier than thou, being a vegetarian. Uh, Bring me my uh, scrambled eggs and my, you know. We, we, We used to eat at the French Cafe in Omaha when I was with Z92. All the big rock bands came to town, so, you know, I'd go with Journey, and we'd go to the French Cafe, and we'd be uh non-vegan vegetarians not not quite you know fulfilling the action you know our our thoughts were in the right place but not quite there going vegan accomplishes what going vegetarian wants to accomplish right so and often the word vegetarian has meant vegan to people, but, you know, everything gets compromised. And so the dairy and egg industries laugh all the way to the bank with, uh, you know, non, the concept of non-vegan vegetarian. And uh, and the egg industry laughs all the way to the bank with uh, the concept of cage-free eggs. Can you imagine that? The, considered considered a victory for animals cage-free eggs where every male baby born every male chick is immediately suffocated or ground alive and every female is uh, mutilated harshly imprisoned living in an ammonia cloud uh crowded together you know everybody's like pecking at each other killing each other um and then uh, everybody's killed anyway. Nobody gets out alive. There's no sanctuary for any of the victims of uh, animal exploitation industries. Uh, but they get an excuse. They get uh, uh, the animal betrayal specialists who who uh, give an excuse, uh, an animal rights uh, seal of approval, which we don't do here at Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. So where our accomplishments are every new vegan everybody who listens to this show and becomes vegan that's uh that's our accomplishment uh and uh, and it's happened quite a bit and uh you know like i said every new vegan makes the world such a better place um and along the years uh what else have we done here well i uh, did uh, commentary on kpfa uh, animal Rights Vegan Commentary on the Pacifica Station in the Bay Area. We motivated the launch of what is now Vegan World Radio on KPFT in Houston. It started off as Go Vegan Go Vegan Texas. Uh, we also uh, created a number of events along the way, including Planet Fest in Orange County, Community Fest which was at uh pierce college in the (laughs) oh in the san fernando valley pierce college so a vegan event at an agricultural school so they uh, looked into what i had said about the dairy industry and i was forced to uh Bust the budget and hire more security because we had a vegan event at a at an agricultural college and they expected what my old roommates from the ALF to come out and rip out the urinal or something from the bathrooms there that you know do property destruction. No, it was my audience at Z92 in Omaha that <laughs> that would rip out the urinals at the clubs where we had the Z92 rock <sighs> those rock and roll and alcohol days back then huh so we did community fest uh in the San Fernando Valley um where and and that was carried on supreme master tv ah over the course of these 20 years if i may boast uh, as as you know as as a president it's characteristic to boast i am president of go vegan radio too by the way our nonprofit um I'm the recipient of the Shining World Hero Award from the Supreme Master Qinghai International Association. I also did an interview with Supreme Master Ching Hai. You can go to goveganradio.com and search the archives for that. Um, and that, uh, at the time, I thought, you know, why am I getting an award? Why am I getting an award like Shining World Hero? You know, why do I deserve that? And, uh, of course, it was that you know, I was dedicating my life to promoting the vegan cause. And in a sense, everybody who's a vegan, everybody who helps other people go vegan is a shining world hero. So I, I share that award with all the vegans in the world who are the true superheroes, who are the only ones who can save billions of animals, the only ones who can save the environment and human health and end world hunger. Um, true superheroes, and they do all of that just by eating, just by eating. Isn't that amazing? At Community Fest, we we wanted a... Oh, and also Community Fest was recognized in Congress by vegan congressperson Dennis Kucinich. Uh, I believe that's probably the first time the word vegan was heard in Congress, echoing through those hallowed halls, what we were trying to do at that time was create a vegan Earth Day. You know, not not part of Earth Day itself, but a vegan Earth Day, since a vegan Earth Day should stand alone because going vegan is the only way to save the Earth, to end climate change, deforestation, resource depletion, pollution, acidification, eutrophication, all of those things. So. Um, and I and I was begging Farm, which uh, did a lot of promotion of uh, you know going vegan around Earth Day itself. It gets lost in the shuffle on Earth Day, uh, all the Earth Day events in April where people are eating hot dogs and pastrami sandwiches. You know, um, kind of gets lost. I think that we really need to start a vegan Earth Day, like you know maybe the first day of summer or. I don't know. Should we work on that? We need volunteers. We need donations. By the way, we do need donations, um, and uh, it would be greatly appreciated if you would go to goveganradio.com. You know, we've been on for 20 years now. Maybe we're waiting to see if the show would last or we'd be dedicated to it. If you want to... You know, send us $20, a dollar for each year of the show. That would be greatly appreciated. $10 for each year of the show, $200. You know, whatever you can afford. I know these are difficult times. Um, And, you know, a lot of our supporters are having difficult times, too. So our funding is down, and we need you to help support the cause of vegan education. Uh, And we've had so many wonderful guests on this show and so many interesting subjects uh you know um and again also you know in a sense having to restart reboot you know do over our lives maybe eliminate eating and wearing animals um i'm reminded of the show that we have we had with uh Uh, The uh, people from the village of peace in Israel, a group of uh, African-Americans who left the United States, went to Israel to live biblically, like I said. So they lived uh, by Genesis 129 and lived there decades, decades in Israel with none of the health problems that their brothers and sisters back here in America were suffering. They weren't having the heart disease, cancer, stroke, and diabetes. It was a nonviolent community. And I would say, you know, like violence begins, you know, on our plate, nonviolence begins by eliminating violence from our plate. Every, Every piece of meat, meat, dairy, fish, eggs, all of that, all our products are products of violence and we are what we eat we're eating violence all the time and i had a program once where we covered a pilot program in a prison i believe it was an amaranth prison um trying to re- remember it was a, a a pilot vegan program and the results were no violence no violence from the inmates just uh you know we're all just uh We're all just uh, happy, happy nonviolent vegans there. So it is the key to world peace. As I mentioned, we had uh, the quote from Tolstoy, as long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields. And, you know, wars are fought over resources like land and water and food and energy. And that's, you know, there you have Tolstoy saying, you know... Uh, as long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields. And yet today we look at slaughterhouses as essential businesses. But now that I have been elected your president, you know, having received the um, last legally cast vote here in the U.S., however many years ago, it still counts. No statute of limitations on that vote. Um, I want to build walls around all slaughterhouses and all Slashed uh, food restaurants. And in fact, I did sign those first two executive orders at the beginning of this show to put that into effect. And, um, you know, all of this, uh, you know, we shut down the slaughterhouses and, you know, all of those outlets. And we can expect to go nonviolent, to live more harmoniously, which doesn't really seem to be the case right now seems like everybody is calling everybody else a Nazi, you know, whoever, anybody with whom you disagree is a Nazi. And as I am reminded uh, on this program, I've presented a number of fascinating quotes over the years, Um, and among them, from uh, the Pulitzer Prize winning Jewish author, Isaac Beshevis Singer, um, who is quoted from back in the World War II era of, you know, real Nazis at the time, he said, quote, In their behavior toward creatures, all men are Nazis. Human beings see oppression vividly when they are the victims otherwise they victimize blindly and without a thought." End quote there. So don't you think it is time for a do-over? You know, you know, the everybody who's a Nazi now, let's, let's not be Nazis anymore, huh? It's time for a do-over, a new beginning. I mean, think about it. Think about it. meat, dairy, fish, eggs, honey, Hamburgers, ham, bacon, steak, ice cream, wings and legs and breasts. I mean, it, doesn't it sound like a bomb went off? You know, body parts everywhere. You know, body parts, leather and feathers and fur and wool and silk and uh, skin and bones. You know, I mean, it's uh, pretty pretty amazing, isn't it? All All those products, you know, really... Like, the quote applies, doesn't it? From Isaac Basheva Singer. Quote, in their behavior toward creatures, all men are Nazis. Human beings see oppression vividly when they are the victims. Otherwise, they victimize blindly and without a thought. So, it's uh, time for a reboot. Time for a reboot. Also, oh, and Daisy says hi. Daisy, the love of my life, who has been vegan for eight years. She loves her evolution vegan dog and cat food. Daisy says hi. And uh, we uh, we practice uh, freedom of bark here. You might hear uh, Tootsie and Susie in the other room, too. So anyway, also back at the time around World War II and real, for sure, Nazis, There's the quote from uh, Theodore, or Theodore Adorno, his quote, Auschwitz begins whenever someone looks at a slaughterhouse and thinks they're only animals. That's pretty moving, end quote. Okay, so that's, you know, that's another impactful quote, don't you think? From back in the day, from back in the day when there were the concentration camps, like the cow-centration camp that we see along Interstate 5 between L.A. and San Francisco on that ride, the cow-centration camp. So, yep, Adorno's quote, Auschwitz begins whenever someone looks at a slaughterhouse and thinks they're only animals. And then, remember, Tolstoy, as long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields. So, I mean, you don't have to be an Einstein uh, to understand Einstein's quotes, uh, for that matter. What did Einstein say? So, you know, he said, quote from Einstein here. I have always eaten animal flesh with a somewhat guilty conscience. That was Einstein, the guy, you know, the main guy, the, the main brain. Einstein, I have always eaten animal flesh with a somewhat guilty conscience. And then another brilliant quote from Einstein, quote, nothing will benefit health or increase chance of survival on earth than evolution to a vegetarian diet. He meant vegan. He didn't, you know, he may he he could have said strict vegetarian diet, but the word vegan was not popular back at the time of Einstein. And yes, Einstein was a vegan, you know, toward the end of his life. And then, you know, you always have the naysayers, right? Um, the trolls who say, oh, Einstein was a vegan toward the end of his life. But, uh, you know, his uh, E equals MC square thinking came earlier when he still ate meat but you know he wasn't he wasn't smart enough then he he got smarter with age and that's when he decided he needed to be vegan so anyway uh (laughs) here we are for the cause and uh uh, to continue uh, to produce this uh, this talk show the very first vegan talk show in mainstream media now our 20th anniversary um, continuing this as a commitment to animals that was the promise I made that I would keep this going um, as long as I possibly could and the, that promise I made to to animals um, and um, we continue this, uh, this this most important show um, in the history of history as it turns out to be who would have thought it so, you know, I mean, when I was joining the GCN network, it said to me, you know, like, we've never had a, f- a food show on, uh, you know, on this network, and I thought, this is a food show, this this isn't a, just a food show. This is this is the show to save billions of animals, human health, end world hunger, save the world from extinction, save the planet. Survival of life on Earth depends upon our mission our cause, what we are doing here. Who would have thought that? (laughs) I wouldn't have thought that when I made that quiet little personal decision back in college. I thought I would sit in a corner and eat a salad. and Who would... Anyway. And now here I am with the conclusion that going vegan solves everything, that every new vegan increases our chance for peace. Every new vegan increases our chance to overcome climate change, deforestation, water scarcity, disease, world hunger, extinction. If I repeat it, it's only that you're not going to hear this anywhere else, right? So might as well. I'm trying to make a point here. Uh, Every new vegan makes the world such a better place. So in this time for a planetary do-over or makeover, How about it, huh? You know, time to go vegan? What do you think? As I've been saying now for 20 years on this show, and as I've been living for 37 years, the best decision I ever made in my life, and if I can do it, you can do it, we know something's wrong. Uh, We can make the changes. We've, uh, you know, and... uh, yeah, and let's end our uh, hostile, miserable relationship with animals. We we now know what misery is, and we we cause the animals such misery, and we are what we eat. So, time for a do-over. Um, and if you can find it in your heart and uh, in your wallet uh, to donate at this time, it would be greatly appreciated help us continue this course in vegan in uh, vegan education um, so uh, so that we can continue doing you know what we do also in the past we did produce the world vegan summit and expo one in LA one in the bay area and a lot of great presentations from that are available on uh, youtube.com/goveganradio youtube.com slash go vegan radio i don't seem to mention that channel a lot i don't seem to why why don't i don't self-promote that much but i'm starting now as your president as your egomaniacal president um youtube.com slash go vegan radio a lot a lot of great material there we also just recently produ- produced uh well over the course of the past few years we've produced a number of reggae vegan festivals. And then we just uh, did one online, which you can watch uh, right now, our most recent production, our New Year's Reggae Vegan World Party, which is five hours of fantastic reggae music, plus amazing talks by Neil Barnard, Will Tuttle, uh, Silesh Rao, Dali Vyasa Huja, Vanessa Marceau. Um, Vanessa Marceau is... uh, you know her from uh, Lunch Break Live and Jane Unchained, and I just recently collaborated with her to uh, to award 21 companies the highest integrity award, vegan companies. And we'll talk about that on our next uh, podcast, uh, the one coming up after this. And oh, there was also a talk by Eric Weissman uh, on, the, um, on our uh, party show there, the Reggae Vegan World Party. Uh, Eric Weissman of uh, Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food, and uh, so to to see that party, enjoy the music and all the speakers, you would go to go dot dot com slash party. That's go dot dot com slash party and to donate to our program and to listen to over 600 archive programs, including there's a great one there uh, with our next guest, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, coming up next on the show. Um, So you can donate and hear uh, all the archives at GoVeganRadio.com.
1: This is Go
0: Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. We are commemorating our 20th anniversary as the first vegan talk show ever in mainstream media, uh, starting in uh, early uh, 2001 on KRLA in Los Angeles and then onto stations in San Francisco, the Air America Radio Network, uh, all sorts of... uh, Great, great networks and places to hear us now doing the podcast thing, and uh, you know at GoVeganRadio.com, dot com um, there are over six hundred archived programs there, and people often ask me like what 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 are some of your best shows what are the highlights and really I think that this program is fascinating every episode so I wouldn't want to pick out one show, but I'd say one of the great highlights is uh, the program I had on July 30th, 2006, with my next guest, Gabriel Cousins, MD, a really awesome interview that, I mean, uh, Dr. Cousins uh, connects veganism to everything like, like nobody else, and, you know, and uh, has had uh, <laughs> Quite quite the interesting life I must say, if you look at his uh, his resume here um, and I guess when we did that program in two thousand six um, dr. Cousins was probably a young a young person like uh, fifty two years old <laughs> at the time, as I was just a child when the show started uh, <laughs> back in two thousand one so um, uh, gabriel cousins m d is a holistic doctor, a homeopathic physician, a psychiatrist, a best-selling author. His books include Spiritual Nutrition, Conscious Eating, Rainbow Green Live Food Cuisine, Sevenfold Peace, Depression-Free for Life. Um, He has a new book out now, which is uh, Into the Nothing, a spiritual autobiography. And, uh, you know, if you Look at Dr. Cousins resume. Uh, The first thought that comes to mind is uh, he's got to be padding this. Nobody could do this. Who could do all of these things? There isn't enough time in a day or a century uh, to do, uh, you know, oh, in his spare times, Yes. Curing diabetes, basically, type 2, pretty much can take care of that for you within a very short time, as we discussed on that interview in the past there. He's a humanitarian uh, who's done work in 42 countries through his Tree of Life Foundation, founder of the Tree of Life um, Rejuvenation Center. Um, he's a rabbi. He's been adopted by the Lakota Sioux um horn chip clan head of the yellow horse clan who has a resume like this this is uh, dr cousins you're, are you an overachiever is that what it is like you're a psychiatrist well, tell
1: the <laughs> truth is i'm not i just enjoy my life and do what <laughs> how, how i'm guided i don't even think about it
0: <laughs> who who has, you're an overachiever or something is this re- real you know um so l- let me not start off uh on, you know the, the show on a depressing note, but. Um, You did write the book on depression, and we find at this strange moment in time that I think more people are suffering depression than ever, um, the state of the world being what it is. Uh, Do do you have any first aid for people with uh, depression now uh, after we've gone through a pandemic and lockdowns and all sorts of crazy things?
1: Yes, and it's called Reconnect With Your Soul. And when people really take time to go within and connect to the truth of who they are, we're not really caught up so much in the outside world, in all the games that are being played. And part of that path is by being uh, plant source only, we're not taking in when an animal's killed it, it suffers pain fear, misery, we eat that, we take that pain, fear and misery in us and it gets amplified. So then we have an outer situation where there's pain, fear and misery, which is what you just said, then we're more affected because we've already been amplified by the pain, fear and misery that we took in from the animal flesh that we ate.
0: Exactly, so you, you you are what you eat, and uh, I've always thought that. I mean, I just you know, kind of metaphorically have thought like, wow, the the animals are in such fear and depression and anxiety, suffer anxiety, and you are what you eat. And as a psychiatrist, you're you seem to be uh, <laughs> telling me that what I've I've been thinking is true here.
1: Yes, what you're thinking is true, and the point is, when you are carrying those energies inside yourself. If you're eating meat, then in the outer world, when those energies uh, appear as they have appeared, then you're going to resonate more with it. You're going to be more affected by it.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, then first the, aid for everybody the, 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 suffering the, 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 is, is to go vegan. Um, that, that's kind yes. of a must.
1: Yeah. So the other thing about animals, it's victim. Well, they're victims. Well, when we eat an animal flesh, we're taking on the victim consciousness of the animal into us. And so that even amplifies its more. So yes, being vegan uh, lessens that kind of uh, victim consciousness, pain, fear, and misery. Yeah. I will say that. Okay. Well, um, that's a new thing. I don't think people have thought about it quite that way before, but that's... uh, it's that there's some truth to it. Now, there's another thing. If you know today, people are freaking out, right? Yeah. So much influence, so much confusion. So, when an animal's killed, it has this pain, fear, and misery, but also it's the, the energy becomes very chaotic. And we're taking that chaos into us. And that's also amplifying. Uh, our consciousness, uh, the the chaos, is being amplified because we're taking on the chaos of the animal,
0: the chaos uh, and, the, and the confusion that's going on with uh, the animal. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, it's it's like lifelong with animals. It's you know, it's uh, torture, imprisonment, uh, misery, all their lives. It must really build up, and then uh, and then in the end, they're killed. So. See,
1: the imprisonment is very important because what people are feeling is this, a little bit of a sense of impending imprisonment, first psychologically, but then take it a step further. Oh, you got to take a vaccination. Oh, you have to do this. You have to wear a mask, which is kind of a shutdown thing. When we know very well, let's just say there's over uh, – 14 studies that show masks make no difference in terms of uh, protection or uh, Spreading the disease And that's a pretty important statement and uh, at least ten of those studies were done uh, In in the CDC's own research uh, Mm -hmm. Well aren't the
0: the virus particles too small to be filtered by masks basically
1: well, it's kind of like having a a, a fence on, on, out on the prairie, right? Big squares, six-inch squares, and thinking it's going to stop the mosquitoes from getting through. <laughs> That's a good analogy. That says it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So... Um... And it kind of uh, shuts down our communication, and suddenly nobody has a face, and nobody has a smile, and you know you, you were isolated,
1: in, like the animals. You become imprisoned, as the animals are in the factory farming. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, some years ago, I had I had a discussion like this with the owner of a vegan Chinese restaurant in San Francisco, Bok Choi, and he also said to me that the animals have a fear of annihilation. Uh, Which uh, was a new a new thought for me in this uh, uh, pain and suffering and misery
1: Well if you're you're in again uh, factory farming that's there. I mean animals aren't stupid. They know what's going on very clearly Uh,
0: Factory Farms or or family farms or any farm that kills animals, right? So
1: yeah, so where I lived uh, before we moved to Israel in uh, Patagonia, Arizona at the bottom of the hill, there were these cows were clearly marked with the tags in their ears for, you know, slaughter. All night long, you know, for two nights while they were there, they were just mooing and making all kinds of noise. You, They knew what was going on. Hmm. You know, and this is, we were, you know, maybe a quarter of a mile away up a hill, but we could hear them mooing. And it's like, this is, they knew.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, it's, it, animals do get what, what the story is.
0: Absolutely. It,
1: so, you, you say you've moved to Israel,
0: and um, from uh, my limited biblical studies, uh, I see that God's first commandment seemed to have been uh, to go vegan uh, in Genesis book 1, uh, verse 29. So, um, why, why isn't everybody who's Jewish um, vegan?
1: Well, let's turn it around a different way. The highest percentage of vegans in a nation in the world is Israel. That's 8.6% of the population. Oh, really? So they have the highest percentage of vegans in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're
0: we're waiting for the
1: other uh, 92%. Right, but 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 it's going that way. When I first began to come here, nineteen sixty-seven, uh, there were hardly any vegan restaurants. Now, and I don't want to say I'm responsible, but there was. A, I did a lot of teaching, and over the years, lots and lots and lots of vegan restaurants. I believe uh, Tel Aviv has more vegan restaurants than. New York City.
0: Wow, that's great. Uh, by the way, that's I great. am trying to take credit for the vegan revolution doing this radio show for 20 years, so um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'll I, gladly take credit <laughs> for the worldwide <laughs> movement, which, you know, really, it is it is amazing. I mean, it is a, a massive movement and the, the way to be if, if we want to you know, save our health and the animals and the environment. Um, that's right. So, uh, so, so, th- th- to your new book, um, and we, you know, there are so many topics all over the place uh, that we can address. But uh, since your new book is uh, into the nothing, a spiritual, a spiritual autobiography, I mean, um, talk about a spiritual journey. Um, literally, talk about a spiritual, the, the spiritual journey that uh, you know, yours.
1: So. My spiritual journey began when I was one year old. I had TB. This is 1943, okay? They didn't have a cure for TB. They didn't have medications for TB. and It was basically a death sentence. Somehow, with my mother and father's love and a few other things, I made it through, okay? And that was where I began the spiritual journey and the mystery of life and death because I was faced with it. And as I evolved, when I can. You, when you
0: were faced with it, like what, how did you feel it? Did you, I mean, how, how were you facing it at, at one year? Facing
1: well, it? if you, you know, you have parents who are concerned thinking you're going to die, you pick it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, did I consciously know it? No, that, that wouldn't be true. Did I feel it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And did my parents share it with me as I grew older of how happy they were that I was alive? Yes. Okay. Uh, so that, that's more, uh, you know, how, how how I felt it and then how, how I was told about it. And I began seeking the mystery of life and death. Okay, what's the secret of, of uh, the death? What's the secret of the soul? And... In nine, in the at the age of 33, shortcutting a few things here, but getting right to the point, I uh, was receive shaktipads, so the awakening of the spiritual energy of Kundalini through. So well, well you
0: just jumped 32 years, but I, I saw in, in in the notes here uh, regarding your book that you did have some sp- sort of. Uh, spiritual experience, uh, playing football too. So, which probably came <laughs> before, um, before. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs>
1: so I always, I'll, I'll go back, and I think that's fine. I'm really happy to talk about. It. So at the age mm-hmm. of four, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. I didn't know why. No one in my family had ever been a doctor. Um, in fact, my family came from uh, uh, Bialystok which was Russia then, but now Poland, and we were bakers, okay, although I'm not much for bakery goods, but, okay. And so at the age of eight, I began kind of having some visions of uh, spiritual beings. I didn't know what they were. And then uh, at the age of 16, my older brother was killed in a car accident, And I began meditating. And uh, in his bedroom, I spent a lot of time spontaneously meditating. Nobody taught me. But I built a heart lung machine. And then that's in the 50s. And that was fairly rare. Uh, And it won the state science fair. But I was doing it to recreate life. So one of the themes is how do we recreate life rather than celebrate death? And that was uh, a key. And of course, vegans are celebrating life not death in their in our diet
0: it's so Um, funny you you built a heart lung machine for the for your science fair um i i went to stuyvesant high school in, in new york which is a math and science high school and i think at our science fair it was like the uses of rubber and i turned you know something into latex into like like an eraser or something. There you are with a heart lung machine, and I I came up with a pencil eraser. Um, well, in my science fair.
1: That's also good. I wasn't doing it for the science fair. I was really doing it for my own healing, to be honest with you. But it's an amazing
0: um, uh, task. I'm going to build a heart lung machine. I mean, that's like you know, <laughs> high ambitions, right? So I'm I'm going to come up with a pencil eraser. Okay. And, Sorry, and I interrupted.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's good sense of humor. I love it. But I was creating life. And, and really, when we look at plant-based diet, we're, we're creating life. We're not creating death. So that's a, just a subtlety there. Now, I wasn't vegan. I was raised Chicago, stockyards, um, meat at most meals. So it wasn't in my in my consciousness. But... Uh, as I evolved, I uh, got more and more into meditation as a result of my, uh, really, by my brother's death. Um, and in 19, and then when I was 33, we're back to that here. Uh, and again, I wasn't vegetarian. I was marginally vegetarian, okay? Not really vegetarian. But... Um,
0: and meditation at that time meant what to you? Like, what, what did that mean to meditate? What did you... What
1: well, I was formerly meditating. I was sitting and meditating, you know, uh, different systems. But then I met Swami Muktananda 19, you know, when I was uh, 33. And this is where I became vegan. And I'll, and I'll explain it. I was... Um, after receiving the spiritual energy uh, that awakens the 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 kundalini or the uh, consciousness energy in in me, I, I went into the nothing for the first time in my life, where I disappeared beyond the mind. When I came back into the mind, a little voice rang out and said, "You should learn to eat in a way." That supports the kundalini and as i uh, unfolded from that point over the next few years it was obvious that a plant-based diet is a major approach to that you should learn to eat that way i did do more live foods over time and we know in almost all the traditions, except one, people a uh, plant-based diet is is pretty key to spiritual life. And, and, and when a, you
0: say plant-based, you mean vegan, like no animal products, no animal ingredients, right? Because uh, there's actually some confusion out in the world. Even the the definition at Forks Over Knives says that. Uh, Uh, doesn't necessarily eliminate all animal food seeks to minimize so but um, in our world here when we're talking talking about it we're saying vegan
1: right yeah i'm glad you brought that up i'm talking classical vegan this is no meat fish uh dairy uh anything from an animal in any way yeah no
0: meat fish dairy eggs honey
1: yeah Mm -hmm. exactly in any way okay so uh it became clear that that was the optimum diet for spiritual life because it best supported it. Now, I also, as you know, have a a a varied background, and as a psychiatrist, I got put in charge of people having trouble with the kundalini. It was too much energy for them. So I worked with them. I began to see something very funny, and this is another part of it. I saw that they were self-medicating with meat. Now, what do I mean? I mean, when the Kundalini energy was too much, if you eat meat, it slows it down. And part of the basis of my first book, which is spiritual nutrition and the rainbow diet, was, okay, I get it. If you're eating meat, it slows down the flow of the Kundalini. It blocks it. So then... The next step. It blocks do- a
0: like a life force. You're, t- you're saying, right? Is that or Kundalini? You're, you define as uh, like-
1: it's a spiritual life force. Okay. And it flows. We have what we call seventy-two thousand nadis, which are channels for the spiritual energy. Okay. It, it's it's a more subtle body, and those channels, the central channel called the shushumna is where the main kundalini flows from the base of the spine and into the whole body but also into the head. Now, I saw that people who felt too much energy, they would eat meat and it would act as a sludge to the kundalini energy. And that was a direct clinical observation, clinical observation why, in many of the great traditions, except one, the recommendation for spiritual life is primarily a vegan diet. Some people are vegan, some people have a little a touch of dairy. Uh, you know, before vitamins were available, you needed dairy for b twelve. but we we're post that. And so it became very clear, that this is the diet that best supported the movement of the spiritual energy called kundalini. So that's what I began to recommend uh, and and teach, because, okay, this is not blocking it. Now, first it's a sludge, but also it takes the energy of death deep into your system, into your what we call chakras, into your nadis, which you're how the spiritual energy flows and literally blocks it and i saw that's what people were doing people felt too much they spontaneously began to eat meat to block the flow of the spiritual energy now i'm not i and i i observed that oh okay so the other thing must be true if you want to amplify the flow if you want to become a superconductor of the spiritual energy fine go vegan and a little more you know, go live food vegan. So it that's how I really got on to this, you know, learning myself that that worked, but also it's clear that it supports the spiritual energy because you're not taking energy of death, you're not taking food that's heavy. I um, mean, there are many problems with a, a, a meat-based diet. Yeah, it, it does for-
0: seem so strange to think that one can get nutrition or life from death like that eating eating death i mean people are basically mm-hmm. on a death diet you know I mean, it's like yeah not very appealing sounding to me so uh, well, but imagine that... the brainwashing it took right i mean look or have you imagined like what gets people to eat something that they should find so repulsive you know naturally repulsive
1: well Growing up in Chicago, you know, holding <laughs> right, the stock there, right, right. yeah, yeah. would even think that that was an issue. It yeah. was just uh, what you did is what your parents put we on all your did. Plate.
0: We all did. Most of us were not born vegan, right? So yeah, uh,
1: and I certainly didn't come from a vegan, tra- you know, tradition. Um, yeah, I, I did either. Exactly I was, I was in point.
0: college, and I looked down. You know, I, I was I was cooking chicken, and I saw. I saw a body there and I said, what am I doing? You know, you know, and I, I you know, I saw the body. I, I said, I I can't eat animals anymore. So um, I became the first vegetarian I knew in college in New York City, um, whatever that cool. meant, because I, you know, didn't know about dairy and eggs, which, you know, should should have gone at the same time had I known better. But, eh, you know, right. we, we, we so learned ex- along the way.
1: Before I... It officially became vegan when my wife was pregnant with our second child. We both had this dream. That was in 1973, okay? And the dream was that that the fetus was a chicken. How's that? And we both woke up and said, oh, my God. And we became a vegetarian in that one nightmare because it was like oh god you're eating a live person you're eating a, a, a baby so I, I was around
0: that-, that same time too it was 1971 when i looked down at that pan uh you know and and normally i don't know you know chicken was more nondescript it was cutlets or whatever but that day i saw the body and i said i'm eating someone who didn't volunteer to jump into the frying pan even though we're also brainwashed into thinking that animals are, you know, here to feed us, and they—they they should know that their their purpose is, you know, to be eaten. But
1: uh, yeah, well, so. You conscious than I was, I wasn't that conscious. I was just revulsed. <laughs> oh
0: God! I'm well, eating. you looked—you
1: looked at the, you know, you
0: you you related the the chicken to the fetus, and you know, all we see is like eggs, right? So it's like oh, you know, chicken. Our life is chicken fetus, you know, basically, you know. With the, with the eggs, all the eggs that are eaten, you know, it's like...
1: Yeah, so, but it took a year or two, and the final thing was when I, uh, you know, went deep in meditation, and, and it got clear that it blocks the flow of the spiritual energy. That was the final, that's it, done. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah. Uh, and, and then it seems to make you feel better you can live with yourself, because you're kind of re- removing the violence against others. I mean, I felt like I, I could sleep better at night not participating in violence and killing um even though everybody was telling me i'm gonna die if i eat like that what's wrong with me but uh
1: you know it was very strange in those times very strange very strange yeah wasn't like it was here but you were more conscious than i was i didn't really have that thinking about violence or anything it was like it was just the revulsion of eating a fetus
0: yeah Well, well i was at queen's college and uh Everybody came over to my house, my apartment on Friday nights, and I cooked the same chicken dish every week, like chicken with an apricot glaze. And it just was that one night where it it wasn't cut. You know, it wasn't a cutlet. It was somebody's body. I mean, there was just no denying the leg, the thigh. And it was like well, somebody died for me to be eating and probably didn't volunteer. My friends thought I was all crazy that night, and, you know, I, I was engaged to a, a butcher's daughter, so that didn't really endear me, <laughs> endear me to the family too much. But that was the way it was, you know. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm vegan now for uh, 37 years. Um, the best decision I ever made in my life, I'm I'm happy to say. Now, um. But
1: I think you, I've you, been vegan for 47 years. What's that? I think I've been vegan for 47 years.
0: Congratulations! Congratulations yeah. to the uh, the animals and the planet for uh, your your contribution there, uh, along with all your other contributions. I, I
1: have to be honest. I have to be honest. I wasn't thinking ecologically. I wasn't thinking so much about the animals. I was actually thinking about my health and my spiritual life. Later, obviously, I made all those connections that you're making. But at Mm -hmm. that time, it was just like, this is for my health. This is for my strength. Uh, I'll give you, uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you're vegan, you're going to be weak, and if you keep it up, you're going to get weaker and thin. So when I was captain of an undefeated Amherst College football team in the National Football Hall of Fame, so I was kind of into it, I could do seventy push-ups. Mm-hmm. Now at the age of seventy seven, I'm doing a one thousand two hundred push-ups three times a week. So what happened? I'm vegan. I get stronger <laughs> with age. I'm getting more flexible. I couldn't I couldn't touch my my hands to the ground. Now I can put my palms on the ground, so I'm more flexible and I'm stronger. I couldn't even cross my legs when I was playing football. <laughs> now I can sit in full lotus. So there, there's a whole thing that goes on. And literally what I'm saying is if you're taking care of yourself, you know, with the whole vegan approach, you're, you have the possibility of getting stronger, more flexible, and more endurance with age you know and I'm the proof of that
0: wonderful so um, back to the um, spiritual journey here because it seems like uh, you were on maybe three different paths and you were talking about um, some of the traditions that actually are vegan or um, based in veganism Um, so what you pursued uh, you pursued uh, Judaism of the Torah uh, mystical Judaism um uh, then um uh, native american you, cultures and, and
1: the very the genesis 129 diet it's vegan diet yes <laughs> right right that's that you know that's like so like how
0: did anybody miss this you know what i mean it's like hello well, it's, it's right it's, in the beginning here
1: right right in the beginning of genesis like to be vegan so in the 16th 15 no 12th century uh, Moses Maimonides, a rabbi and a physician, he lived from 1135 to 1205. He clearly said the Torah teaching is to become vegan. He didn't use the word vegan; that didn't happen until 1947. But is to you know to, to eat plant-based diet. And he said, uh, people are pretty far away from that, but the whole idea is to move back towards that ideal. So actually, 12th century, uh, Moses Maimonides and then his, one of his students, uh, another rabbi and physician, Nachmanides, uh, the next generation, also said, this is the diet. That 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 Bible is talking about. The Torah is talking about. It, it is a they did, again didn't say vegan, but plant source diet. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, they they might have said uh, Ital if they would have gone to Jamaica in the 1930s. So the decade even before <laughs> before the word vegan came in the 1940s, and uh, 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 Jamaicans, the Rastafari culture was going vegan and calling it Ital, taking the V off of the. Uh, off of vital and their oh, thinking also is um you know that uh you can't feed the life force which they call livity uh you can't feed that de- death you can't feed you know meat dairy and eggs um to the life force of livity. so we maybe maybe this show i keep saying maybe should be called you know go italic or something because uh uh, the word ital came <laughs> before the word vegan, and uh, I'm sure at the time of the writing of the Bible, I don't know, you know, like, why didn't it come to God at the time? Like, here, instead of my saying, like, uh, you know, behold, I've given you every plant on the face of the earth and every tree with fruit with seed, why don't I just call that vegan? You'll all get that, right? So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it couldn't be any clearer what was being said. And- that,
0: right, exactly. Yeah, This will be your food period, end of sentence, and along comes, you know, kosher meat and uh, pastrami sandwiches and Jewish delicatessen, so, I mean, that's, you know,
1: that's... But the Essenes, the inner core, were vegan, okay, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there were people who followed, and, and again, in the Jewish world, you have a very high, highest cultural percentage of any group in the world, now, in India... There's four, about 40%, but they're not necessarily vegan. Okay. Mm-hmm. They call themselves a...
0: vegetarian. They're basically lacto um, or lacto vegetarian. Right. right. So, um, yeah, but if the cow is sacred, look at what's happening to the cow, you know? And even in India, you know? Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, um, but there's, there's the long. Um, history of uh, compassion with the Jains uh, and concern for animals yes. and uh, you yeah, so um, so we have to ask the Jains to go vegan we have to ask all Jewish people to go vegan <laughs> you yeah, know it's um, so, so did, did you hit upon the Jewish mysticism part or um, was that
1: uh, oh yes yes for sure and I think you see more of it in the Jewish mystics because they know on a kind of deeper level that eating meat and death doesn't support your kind of mystical spiritual path very well. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And then there, uh, you know, you have a a long relationship with uh, Native American culture.
1: Yeah. Now, what most people don't know, and I ran across two Native American researchers, is that And this is a really wild thing, but 95% of their diet – no, I didn't say it right. 95% of Native Americans originally were actually vegan life fooders.
0: 95% of Native Americans were originally
1: vegan. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, right? You have the Plains Indian, Lakota. I mean, they hunted buffalo, but a lot of Indians didn't live on the plains and didn't have buffalo. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, as again I, I met two different researchers over the years that make that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see. I had a guest. Was it Rita? I'm trying to remember her name. She was. She wrote an article on uh, vegetarianism and uh, Native Americans, or she called them Indians. I, I don't know. I don't know what uh, what term is supposed to apply first nation
1: native, Americans. native america, they were native to america you know. mm-hmm.
0: although but i'm saying like but america is named for somebody european <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, so i don't know but you were uh, actually
1: well we ad- call it turtle island turtle island. right
0: right turtle island so and but so but you were actually adopted by the lakota sioux uh Hornship clan, yeah. head of the Yellow Horse clan. Now, how how does a rabbi, yeah. oh. how does that happen to a rabbi and a psychiatrist? And well, I wasn't a rabbi yet, but I'll tell, you, <laughs>
1: I'll tell you how it happened, and you'll you'll appreciate it. So, the Sundance, it's a four year commitment. You dance four days without food and water. <clears throat> so, of our group of seventy or eighty people. I was the only one to go without food and water. So.
0: But did you uh, say you're you're supposed to go without food and water for four days? Is that what you said? Correct.
1: Correct. And I was the only one to be able to do it for four years. So what happened is my Sundance chief uh, was very. For four years. To clarify, you did it for four days, but once a year for four years?
0: Or like what's right?
1: That's right. That's right. Once every four years. Then you're dancing in the sun. So my sundance sheets in the last year I was what we call eagle dance, which means I won't go into the whole well, you have hooks in your chest, that's part of the thing. But usually for the uh, general sun dance you're only having it for an uh, hour or two. But for I, I also did what's known as the eagle dance, which is I had it for four days with the hooks in my chest attached to the tree. And I never left the field, and I—I I was the only one, the really to go without food and water. I stood for four days, and they—they uh, they really appreciated that, you know. They like courage and stuff, and um, so I got adapted. I didn't ask after the ceremony, after the uh, eagle dance. He just sat me down and adopted me, <laughs> that's it, well. you know, it's not, I had a choice, I wasn't even thinking about it, but it was because I was able to do these things, and actually what happened initially, uh, the first year, uh, a lot of the Native Americans made a lot of fun of me, right, what is this, vegan, my food, What? that's crazy, right? But then as they saw, I had the energy and endurance to go the four days without food and water where no one else could. They began to get, oh, well, maybe there's something to the diet. So the post-dance feast became Mm -hmm. more and more vegan as the years went on. Mm -hmm. Because they said, what's he doing? And then people (laughs) began moving in that direction. So by the time... The fourth year, uh, people were a lot of people interested in veganism because they see it works. Mm -hmm. Well, so many world class athletes uh, nowadays are vegan
0: and and doing their best performances.
1: Absolutely, because the the toxins from the meat kind of actually weakens you at some level. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So, um, anything else you want to mention about? What's in your book and your new book? We're talking to Gabriel Cousins, MD, and his new book is "Into the Nothing: A Spiritual Autobiography." Um, anything else in there that you uh, want to mention? Or?
1: The, the most important thing, in a kind of bigger picture, is that utilizing all life our life experiences for spiritual growth. That's probably the the key. Uh, message so all life's experience if you interpret it right become a, a vehicle for spiritual growth so i think that's a, a key thing um, the other thing is is i think in uh everybody has an urge for the divine and i follow that urge so i was always following the voice of god in my life so it took me to you know, from playing football, where I getting back to it. When I played football, I was a small guy on the field. Uh, believe it or not, it, well, I was 112 pounds and five foot two in high school as a freshman. In high school, that's not very big. And but I was following this guidance, and and so it. I I had to go beyond myself with effort, and I would begin to kind of go beyond the mind uh, to be able to put out that effort. So I began to experience that way. I began to experience it after my brother died as a meditation going beyond the mind. But I was following this guidance. And so the other message is follow the guidance in your life. Listen to it. Trust where it's taking you. The big thing and the same thing with the vegan it's like okay there's the guidance you know don't eat the fetus go in that direction and and so uh n- n- that's honestly what i'm trying to explain about b- me becoming vegan really, life food i didn't have a lot of theory I, I was just being directed as to this is the best diet for life and for spiritual life so that's one of the big messages um, and, and where is a There's spiritual a journey
0: age. supposed to go? Like if if people are on a spiritual path, like uh, uh, obviously what uh, people are seeking happiness or bliss or like what's what's the goal? Does it go anywhere? Uh, like uh, is there a successful spiritual journey that brings you to some some place of, uh, I don't know. Kind it's, of, a really I, I, about. it's a really
1: interesting question to ask you, Bob. It's a really interesting question. I have to be honest with you, I was just guided to go, I mean I was meditating six hours a day, chanting four and a half, taking care of the family, taking care of the two kids, I just had to do it. So I wasn't operating philosophically, okay, that's what I mean, Is just I was just following this divine urge, well it takes a lot of energy to meditate six hours a day, and you know, And chant and do everything so I was driven to to do that kind of this urge for the divine now you want to know what's the payoff okay in in the (laughs) process you begin to access what I call the 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 deeper soul level of who you are and you begin to access the non-causal bliss and not the non-causal without a cause Bliss without a cause. You don't need anything outside of you. Uh, Love without a cause. Compassion without a cause. Okay? Peace without a cause because it's the truth of who we are. And it is ecstatic. And it's not just in meditation. It starts to take over your whole life. So your whole life is ecstatic way of being you're just turned on to all of life you're feeling really great and you're feeling really at one that becomes more and more of your state that's the payoff the big payoff is ultimately merging with God so when I say uh, you know in the book I eventually as you go deeper in meditation you go beyond the mind mm. that's yeah. Um, then you go beyond nothing, you disappear into the nothing that is pure ecstasy Mm. it's pure joy and it's from within you nothing outside is affecting you you're gone in that way so that's really the payoff is Mm. to bring God And, and that of course is the motivation in most all religions really all spiritual paths, is become one with god but that oneness with god they don't emphasize how incredible it is and then eventually it becomes inside of you all the time not just when you're meditating or praying it becomes your natural state so that's the payoff it's a wonderful way to live Okay, so I, I can I can relate
0: to to the compassion and the the love that was going along on the spiritual yeah. journey there, and I maybe I I I feel my spiritual connections to uh, you know animals and nature and dogs in particular and all. Um, but then now you've taken me to where I have to ask, like, you know, who is God? What does that mean to be one with God when? Everybody maybe has a different idea of God, and there are so many religions, and so, like, who is, but, God? is God? Is God the guy up in the cloud with the the, the gray beard? In which case, why didn't God make himself twenty five years old, you know, with with a dark beard? Or who trims well, God, who trims God's beard? And who was here before God? And then I'm often clueless again.
1: <laughs> so what what you look at because I've studied the different religions and so forth. It all ends up in the same place. You disappear into the nothing, and it is pure ecstasy and love. So once you get beyond who is God, as if there's something outside of you, so what we call duality, into the nothing is there's no, it's non-dual. There's only the oneness. And when you hit that place. And you can see uh, all the different kind of mystical explanations. It goes way beyond a religion. It goes way beyond any concepts. It goes into this very direct, I'm going to say, apperception and uh, experience of the oneness. That's where it goes. And, and And you look at all the different descriptions, you'll see... It ultimately goes there. Now, people put it in their different languages, but it's the same thing. Is it a oneness
0: with uh, and everyone
1: and everything? I mean, is it a oneness with... you. There's only that. What's that? There's nothing outside of you. There's no image or guy with a beard or whatever, you know, or a crew cut or whatever. It's a way beyond an image. It's a direct apperception of the nothing, a direct experience of the nothing. Of the absolute and and, uh, so all images all ideas of duality go away and it's in a non-dual state you're one with everything
0: so so nothingness brings you to oneness with everything
1: well oneness with everything eventually becomes nothingness (laughs) because uh, let me explain what I mean by that if you're at one there's still a you that's one. Does that make sense? It's like duality. Mm-hmm. But there's a place where you disappear and there's only that, that the nothing. That's the final stage. Mm-hmm. So there's a progression. But if you're you merging with the one, there's still a you, so you're still in duality. But there's a place where the body disappears, the mind disappears. And there's, there's just that, the nothing. Well, the so into the nothing, is, and the
0: mind disappears, and there's
1: yeah. nothing. Uh, yeah.
0: So I, along I, I can't way quite to, imagine that. I, 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 see myself still, looking and seeing, you know, like darkness the nothingness. Is I'm still an observer? Is that, I'm, you know?
1: Yes. And there's a place where you disappear. So along the way, just to test myself. To make sure I wasn't kidding myself I had a, a hernia in 1985 so I said fine if I'm really meditating I should be able to do this without anesthetic so I had a painless hernia repair cutting into my abdomen and all that painless because I just went into a deeper meditation wow. so I, I, I like to test myself so I I know that I'm talking about you know and I did that twice. I heard so, so does a, any of
0: this relate to um, fear, fear of death? Um, that, I mean, uh, like, does does this have an impact on the thinking about death,
1: fear of death? Sure, because when you know what by direct experience, not by theory, not by reading a book. That there is no death for the self, the self is immortal, and you have a direct uh, experience of that. And then all the fear goes away, because there's nothing to fear. You're immortal.
0: Yeah. So, your so you think body consciousness? After, you think you 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 maintain consciousness after death, or something else, or the is it nothingness, <laughs> consciousness, or
1: I, I see? I'm clueless. So. <laughs> so let me let me kind of put it in order after death okay you still are in a kind of individual soul, okay, so you're still in duality dying does not bring you into the one bringing you into the one is is a is a much deeper process so when you die, there's the astral body the energy thing you're going down the tunnel of. That's one thing, and you do experience those things in the the process, but into the nothing is uh, something that began to happen spontaneously, naturally in meditation, where I would simply disappear. There was no me there. That's not what happens in death. In death, your soul goes and migrates, but there's still an image, there's still, still an energy field that's distinct. Did that did that make sense? What I just said because yeah. we're talking pretty deep concepts. Sure, sure. sure. That's sure. not Definitely. into the, that's not into the nothing. That's just death. You know, you go into another uh, state. Some people say, oh, you're reborn to a higher consciousness. Doesn't matter. The point is, you're still a distinct soul. Into the nothing means you have merged with God. The Torah teaches you can't know God and live now what that means instead of people being fearful it basically is what I just said you can't be distinct you when you really know God because you disappear into God that's the meaning of into the nothing mm. sounds like into the everything into the nothing is into the everything
0: or into the everything that, is into the nothing
1: that's right that's right and all this happened for me spontaneously i I didn't Create concepts of how it was going to be. I would just my whole life, you know, the message of Into Nothing is my whole life has just been guided in some way, and I have chosen to follow the guidance. Sometimes it's a little difficult, sometimes it isn't. But the point is, I'm committed to following that uh, kind of divine guidance. And so, and so is that like the uh, intuition? Uh, Yes. Mm-hmm. It may be stronger in that because I and I, you know, as I write in the book I, I felt a little uh, kind of pushed. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. in in you know, in a sense it's like yes, I have a choice not to go along with the flow, but that wasn't very comfortable. So mm-hmm. I was uh, you know, more pushed into doing this. I mean when I lived in the Ashram, I was like, oh, you meditate one hour a day, that's good. A lot of people couldn't even do that, but fine, you know. But I start with one hour, the next thing it's two hours, the next thing it's six hours a day. What is going on here? Mm-hmm. You what I'm saying is like, that's was, that was not my plan. And so, really when we talk about spiritual life, it was natural to become vegan. It was natural to be live food, to become a superconductor of the divine, so the body is not in any kind of way any blockage to the divine flow, and then it was just natural to start meditating more and more until disappeared. Hmm.
0: Well, that's uh, fascinating all the way around. You know, I'm I'm just I'm 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 fascinated by consciousness to begin with. Memory, I'm just like. It's all such a mystery to me. It's like, what am I doing here? Well, I'm asking
1: people to go vegan. That's that's about all I know. <laughs> but that's a wonderful service because that helps prepare you to receive the spiritual energy. That's why being vegan's a big part of many, or uh, you know, the nutritional part of many spiritual paths. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not an accident. You're not taking the death, you're not taking the misery, you're not taking the pain you know well, you protect- seem
0: like the most moral behavior you know i mean I, I, some guy wrote a letter to to my show some years back, and he said you know your, your show is dripping with moral superiority so i'm I'm not gonna listen anymore, but you know i mean if if you examine it you know objectively uh what's more moral than living vegan, right? If you remove yourself from from the violence and the killing and the torture, you know? Of course. Yeah. You know,
1: but for me, I kind of look at, okay, you're not causing death. You're preserving the resources. I won't go into the details, but you're saving like a swimming pool full of water each year. You're, you know, you're, if if the whole world were vegan, we could feed the world seven times over. I mean, how bad is that? So suddenly, we're not talking about starvation. I mean, it, it we... seems
0: to solve everything. So that's uh, that's, you know, that's why it, it, I focused it, it, in on it. I, you know, I, I want to be right about everything. So whenever so- there's a problem, I just say, "We'll just go vegan." You know, I mean, like climate change, go vegan. Deforestation, yeah. go vegan. Hard to oh, diabetes go vegan, right? So I'll just give right. it, get, get, you know, like a, 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 if you could just uh, quickly cover your work with diabetes because it is somewhat miraculous what uh, it seems that you uh, you can do with uh, people suffering diabetes.
1: but, you know, I, I also talk about protection of the, of the germ cell. When you're eating higher on the food chain, the meat, Fish, chicken—they're very high in pesticides and herbicides. Maybe 96 percent. So that is actually going to affect the sperm and the ovum, and that's going to affect you know uh, your ability to reproduce. I kind of suggest, and I think it's true, that the vegans will be the most productive because they're eating lower on the on the food chain. Therefore, they're less uh, less sterility from you know the pesticides and herbicides. Okay, and then you have this abundant vitality which we're talking about. And then you have global hunger. Okay, you can feed the world seven times over. This is pretty practical. Yeah. And obviously cruelty to animals. Okay, and then uh, prevention of the ecological destruction. That's a simple way. You know, I added it up. It's about fifty-one percent. We talk about global warming. Fifty-one percent. Uh, of the global gases, uh, global warming gases come from eating meat, fish, chicken, dairy. Yeah. It's, a, it's very, you know, every time people have a quarter pound hamburger, they destroy 55 p- feet of rainforest, and then obviously the morals, ethics, and spirituality. So it's, it's very holistic, being vegan is a very holistic way to be.
0: Right. And And I just wanted you to hit upon the subject of diabetes also, because that's a a plague too, you know, right now.
1: So what what I, uh, uh, somebody came to me, I'll tell you the story a little bit, and he said, can you do a movie on vegan and live food and what that is? And I said, well, no, actually, what I want to do, if we're going to do it, let's make it really interesting. Let's do veganism, live food, veganism, and diabetes. So... uh, Over, I did a big kind of study of 120 people, and I I showed that kind of live food, plant based vegan diet uh, basically in three weeks that's really a short time could heal people of diabetes. 61% of uh, of non uh, insulin dependent diabetics and 24% of insulin diabetics were healed. In three weeks now they continued to go more if they were in insulin. but they were all everybody came off their insulin in three weeks and but not everybody's blood sugar was less than a hundred so it just naturally takes you there we do that all the time uh, on our we we have a a 21-day program but our juice fasting uh, really in a week most everybody's off insulin by the time we you know after seven days sometimes it takes ten days so it just naturally uh, is the optimum diet for healing diabetes and that's what I discovered and that's why I wrote my book there is a cure for diabetes and, and, that and, was it, the, and
0: it seems miraculous because you're only talking about three weeks or a month three weeks
1: right three weeks, Right. It, so. but it's not a miracle all we're saying is When you go back to a natural way of living and eating, your chronic diseases go away. The way we're supposed to be since we're
0: herbivores, apparently.
1: That's right. I once had a lady, she came in, she was 93 years old. She came in in a wheelchair. She had arthritis. She was on 13 different medications, uh, lots of heart medications. And of course, she had diabetes. Uh, And after just the three weeks, she was out of her wheelchair, she no longer had the osteoarthritis, she no longer was on any medications, uh, her heart was g- really good. I met, I met her a year later, uh, she was from New York, and, and she was just fine. No diabetes, no high blood pressure, which she also had, no med- medications, that's after three weeks. So it, 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 it works. It just give the body a chance. Going vegan, very, very powerful medicine. Very powerful medicine.
0: That's amazing. It seems miraculous, yeah. but uh, yeah, like you said. To me, mean, it isn't.
1: It's just natural. <laughs> it's just natural. I mean, I may be a little blase about it, but I expect that in you know, three weeks, people are going to be healed you know, of their diabetes are very close. Healed meaning, again, uh, no medication at all and a blood sugar less than 100. So right. it's like... And, and I think also you've, you, you've mentioned that you, you weren't necessarily...
0: You're not much of a fan of um, psychiatric drugs either, right? So... Um,
1: well, I mean, I'm a psychiatrist, but... And I saw... Again, the vegan diet. Uh, certain supplements, very specifically rebalance the neurotransmitters of the brain. So uh, in my book, Depression Free for Life, I basically cite a 90% success rate with no medication. I mean, and that's, of course, what the vegan life food diet is as the base. So that's a pretty strong statement uh, that, yes, let's get back in balance and your mind will work better. So what's new It here? solves everything. That's, I'm so glad
0: I picked, uh, you know, uh, my my focus in life on uh, going vegan because it it's about everything and seems to solve everything. And uh, and the food is great, by the way. You know, I yeah. I love I love eating and the food is great. So um, oh, I, and you mentioned that um, mm-hmm. when you were uh, working on reversing or uh, diabetes. Um, that people were on a fa- a juice fast for about a week like what what's in the yes. juice
1: well it's just green juice and it's uh, diluted in half that's it green juice like that just really speeds the process up okay I mean really anybody's an, almost everybody on insulin is off insulin in a week because the body goes back to its normal function. It's not being stressed. When you're eating food, it's a little bit of a stress. So the pancreas heals. The body's designed to heal if we leave it alone and we treat it properly. Mm. And when you go vegan, you're treating the body properly. I mean, Wonderful. obviously, my bet is towards live food vegan, but still, being vegan is huge. Mm-hmm
0: and uh, you're you focus on live food vegan meaning uh, mainly raw yeah
1: yeah Mm -hmm. okay
0: so um, what did you have uh, for uh, I don't know you're in Israel now what did you have for lunch or dinner or breakfast today
1: well I don't really I have some goji berries in the morning uh, and for lunch I have my salad and I don't eat dinner Mm -hmm. And my weight stays the same. That's it. I just have a salad every day. I mean, I have avocado in it. I'll have some nuts and seeds in it. uh, But that's it.
0: I'm a salad lover, too. If I could just stay away from the the vegan cupcakes and potato chips, I'd be okay. But I love the salads, too.
1: (laughs) Well, see, to me, you know, not being too strict about it, too, I call that junk food. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's steak people make with the vegan. I am talking about organic, number one, uh, and as much live, at least 80% live. And for me, it's 98% live. And I love it, you know. I sell it. I have olives. You know, we're in Israel. Lots of olives. Mm-hmm. believe it. olives. And, you know, and tomatoes, that's a big thing. And, I also like a little pomegranate, you know, again, fresh pomegranate, you cut them up, put it in your salad, I mean, wow, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a pretty good, pretty good thing. I love so, it,
0: I'm pro salad, I'm very pro salad.
1: <laughs> that's all, that's all I do, you know, Yeah. so it it's kind of like, pretty simple.
0: Yeah, you, you do that, and what, 1500 push-ups also, right, so. 1200, 1200. 1,200, Sorry, yeah. Work your way up to fifteen hundred. You're only seventy-seven right now, right? So I will. Uh,
1: probably <laughs> I will get there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a wonderful um, way to live was what I'm saying. What's that? You say, it's like you, you got it. You know, it's a wonderful way to live. You're in harmony with everything. The animals aren't afraid of you. You know. It, you're in harmony with the environment, you're in harmony with other people, you're, you're in harmony with your own physical body, you're, you're building the ecology of the planet rather than tearing it down. It's just like every level of life comes in the harmony. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really just a wonderful way, obviously, it's a spiritual way because you, as they say in the, you know, ahimsa, do no harm. So... You're in harmony. There's no harm. It's just the opposite. You're at one with everything, with the living planet. You're not destroying the forest. You're not wasting water. I mean, there's so many levels of it. And you're getting really healthy. You know, uh, vegans have one-third less heart disease. And they have... uh, About three times less breast cancer and prostate cancer, you know, it varies a little bit. Less high blood pressure, 26% meat eaters have high blood pressure, only 2% of vegans. It's like every level of your health and obviously the diabetes, you know, vegans have way less diabetes as as well. So it's just every level works and that's the beauty of it.
0: Yeah, it's so amazing the... uh... How many connections you make <laughs> to everything? You know, I I I kept saying or keep saying, over twenty years, I guess I keep saying something um, that you know Seinfeld was a show about nothing, and a vegan show is a show about everything,
1: basically. That's and, uh... a nice way of saying it. <laughs>
0: and yeah, it's, well, it's and, just... and you're, you're a way of proving it. I mean, everything everything you touch, there's a vegan connection, and you you're you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I love it. You know, it's just they say it's a wonderful way to be. You know, and and of course this lifestyle supports going deeper and deeper in meditation, going deeper in spiritual life, making it easier to merge with the divine.
0: Yeah, isn't it surprising which, to that me, there, there aren't that many? I mean, yoga instructor instructors or practitioners who are vegan. I mean, I, I think a friend of mine said like. You know, yoga without veganism is like you know doing you know exercise in, in expensive you
1: know right <laughs> right right, right. It's expensive a, you know, clothes yeah, pretty, exercise pretty clothes. Much the yoga people doing yoga are more much more vegan or uh, you know much more inclined that way. In U.S. it's a different world because yoga is more commercial in that way. Mm-hmm. It's so, not seen as a total spiritual path. Right,
0: there is the ahimsa part of it, right? That's uh... right. Yeah. Right. So. well alright Dr. Gabriel Cousins once again another unbelievably fascinating talk with you today um, I'll, I also recommend that people can go to GoVeganRadio.com and actually can search for Gabriel Cousins C-O-U-S-E-N-S um, and you'll see there are a few shows there with Gabriel from the past but that July 30th show 2006 is a classic it would be considered one of the highlights of the 20 years of uh, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, all that you do and the connections you make with the vegan world and uh, helping people go vegan and, you know, being the, uh, the overachiever that you are.
1: Uh, well, first of all, thank you. And I'm, I want to bless you for your good work. I want to bless the, the listeners for being tuned into it. And if people want more about me, they can just go to DrCousins.com. I teach uh, courses in meditation and spiritual fasting retreats and uh, a variety of of, of of teachings. Obviously, it does involve the vegan life food background as part of it uh, and teachings. So that's all available. Just go to DrCousins.com. And you can get my books there. Of course, you can get them anywhere, Amazon or whatever. So... Thank you. It's fun. I love the fact that you're doing this work and you've been doing it. You're the first show. I mean, it's a, actually a great title. Go Vegan Radio. It's very cool. <laughs> like it. So, yeah.
0: Well, I, I thought it would last, the, you know, maybe two weeks when I started. I started on a regular commercial station in Los Angeles, KRLA, and I thought, wow, if they hear what's on this show, like, they're going to shut it down right away, you know? But, uh uh, but, uh, I, I also paid, had to pay for the airtime. So as long as I came up with a check, uh, they, they didn't seem to mind that <laughs> I was insulting most of their advertisers and, you know, the, all the <laughs> meat, dairy, fish and egg industries and, you know, the, all that other stuff. But here we are 20 years later. So, and we
1: right. keep on so, keeping on. Thank you for your good work. I'm happy to be on your show some other time as well. It's a lot of fun talking to you, and I really appreciate that you've been doing this for so many years. You're you're holding the energy, so thank you for that.
0: Thank you, Dr. Cousins. We'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Okay.
1: Take care, Bob. Bye-bye.
0: Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, Facebook Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And I want to thank Dr. Gabriel Cousins for another amazing interview on this uh, program. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we talked to him in the past, and you can find archived interviews with him at GoVeganRadio.com. I think you should explore we have over 600 shows there and truly truly mind-blowing speakers uh just about every show and again we invite you to support our program it's our 20th anniversary if you can send us twenty dollars a dollar for each year two hundred dollars ten dollars for each year whatever you can do it would be uh, greatly appreciated help us continue our uh commitment to vegan education also you can see our recent production of the uh, new year's reggae vegan world party go to go dot go dot com slash party over five hours of incredible music and wonderful talks as i mentioned uh you will hear from uh, Will Tuttle, Dr. Neil Barnard, Silesh Rao, Dolly Vyasa Hujja, and and uh, Vanessa Marceau, and uh, Eric Weissman from Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food. Daisy loves it. She's been eating it for eight years now. She's happy and healthy. And. Uh, you know, dogs and cats in your family can, can go vegan, too, and studies are showing that they live uh, long, happy lives as vegans. So, okay. So, uh, again, thank you for joining us, and if you can support us with a donation, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, it so you can uh, hear the archives and donate at GoVeganRadio.com.